right, we got two hours with you today. And that's because we've got UTEP football with Dana Dimmel coming up here at 6 o'clock from the Moon Tower on the west side of town. Meanwhile, Yanks and Guardians are doing battle right now. Looking good if you're a Yanks fan. 5-1, they jumped all over Aaron Savale early. Or Savali, I think it is. And that included a three-run shot from Stanton. Meanwhile, top six. Lead runner gets on for the Guardians, so we'll keep an eye on this one. Hey, by the way, baseball. Ugh, baseball. You know, yesterday they, they, they could have decided that um, that rain out even before they let fans in. I mean, they, they knew it was going to rain since the weekend, but... The Yankees seem to have no problem to keep fans uh, and in, in buying food and beer for three hours before they finally pulled the plug on it last night and then decided to play today. So, um, and, and, you know, they could have gotten 11, but instead they went at one, which is four New York, uh, two. I mean, that's four New York time because, you know, this game's already in the sixth inning. And now whoever wins, if it's the Yankees or the Guardians, they got to fly to Houston and get there in time for um, what is going to be uh, game one tomorrow. And by the way, now runners on first and second, nobody out. So Cleveland's got a little something going here in the sixth. Down 5-1. So we'll keep an eye on that one, let you know what's going on. By the way, listen to this. This is how bad Major League Baseball is, okay? This is, this is how poor they are. Last night when they announced at 9.36 New York time that the game was going to be delayed and or uh, postponed until today, there, uh, the hotel that the Guardian stayed at didn't have enough rooms for them, so they had to scatter them all over the New York area to find uh, other places for them to stay because the guys that were looking to uh, to go back to the hotel could not go back to their hotel. They did not have enough available rooms. How, how about that one for you, Adrian? Yeah, it's a terrible story. I saw that one pop up today. I can't imagine being the team personnel and trying to scramble to try to find anywhere for them to stay at. Can you imagine? I no. mean, uh, this is this was just uh, handled so poorly across the board, and I feel for the fans who had to wait yesterday and who could not make it today because they had work or other obligations. It was a night game for a reason, yep. and uh, instead they had to maybe try to play hooky, try to go at the 4 o'clock start over their Eastern time, or they had to miss uh, today's game altogether. Exactly right. Exactly right. Oh, and by the way, uh, Josh Naylor is now up with runners at second and third and one out. And all the Yankee fans are doing the baby cradle to him as he's walking up. Because that was one of the great um, home run trots that will absolutely make you an enemy of the opposing team. There's no doubt about that. And by the way, he's got to back it up right now. You have two runners in scoring position. Oh, and he just laced a shot, but he hit it right at the shortstop who was playing over for the shift. So it looked like it was going to be a base hit up the middle to score a pair of runs, and instead it was grabbed, and you can see the fans are already uh, serenading uh, Naylor on the way back to the dugout. Look at this shot. Right back up the middle, but it happened to go right into the glove of uh, the shortstop who was playing perfectly uh, by second base, and that was uh, Cabrera. Oswaldo Cabrera could not have been placed in a better spot to grab that ball. And by the way, the shift, they're going to ban the shift. 
uh, starting next season. So it will be interesting to see how baseball starts to play a bunch of hitters in situations like that. You know, with Josh Naylor, the former El Paso Chihuahua, hey, you have to be ready for this rabid crowd out there in New York in the Bronx. You have to be ready for the fans to go at you because the second you're talking smack to the Yankees, their fan base is going against you. So right now, Josh Naylor is uh, enemy number one yep. uh, when it comes to the Cleveland Guardians. Absolutely. Absolutely. He sure is. Um, yeah, and Yankee fans have been booing him uh, since, he first, uh, since he first started playing today. And that's not a surprise. And he's DHing, by the way. Maybe that was the nicest thing he could do is put him as a DH so he doesn't have to be on the field dealing with Yankee fans throughout the course of the game. All he has to do is deal with it when he goes up to bat, and that's it. Yeah, that's right. And uh, by the way, I love the rock the baby uh, kind of thing. I thought I think the NBA popularized that a couple yep. of years ago. And uh, now we're seeing it trickle into all sports. I love the fact that they're doing that to him. And actually, I liked when Josh Naylor did it. I think, what, what was it, to Garrett Cole? I yeah. liked when he did that. I thought it was kind of cool. You're lucky he didn't get one in his ear the next time up. Yeah, that's right. And uh, it seems like the teams are going up. Or well, at least the Yankees are going up a little tougher when he goes up to bat because of that. Yep, absolutely. So... I mean, right now it looks like Jonathan uh, Loy Sega is going to try to get out of this one with Arias. He's got him down 0-2. So, hey, uh, first and second, nobody out, and the Guardians could be stranding a pair of runners in scoring position. Uh, you can't afford to blow opportunities like this too much longer if you're going to have a chance to try to beat the Yankees in the late innings. Yeah, you, you said it best right there. It's the Yankees. This is the this is the team to beat right here. This is one of the best teams that you're going to find in baseball. So, yeah, you got to capitalize when you can. Already have lines ringing in. Uh, 505-6009. That is our telephone number today, 505. 505- Six zero zero nine gets you right on in and through to the program, and uh, we'd love to hear from you today. In fact, uh, we've got a lot in store, and uh, again, with all the different topics that we've got coming up, there's just a a lot to cover, a lot to talk about on the show. In fact, Gator Richard's going to join us to begin things on a Tuesday. Richard, what's going on? Oh, hang on, Richard. I mean, let me actually put the phone up. That would probably help you out there. There we go. What's going on? Go Gators. <laughs> All right, I know you. I beat you up on that yesterday, but watch this. I, I, I'm listening to the uh, uh, other other stations, the enemy, right? The CBS Sports, whatnot. Nah, it's, it. we're no enemies. Uh, we're all we, we don't get paid enough to be enemies. We're all in this together. Uh, That's all right. Okay, if you say so. There Steve. we go. So, watch this. They're talking about. Otani coming up and how everybody's going to be scrambling and everybody's going to be uh, probably trying to tank a couple games so they can, you know, get those number one drafts or whatever. Who knows? For next year, what is Otani's contract up? Uh, I think he has another two to go. I got to double check and see when he's a free agent. So okay, it's at least well, one, if not two. Let me see when he's... Uh, so here, I'll, I'll talk while you keep while you look it up. Yeah, right? I'll check that out for you. So watch, watch this. Everybody keeps saying, well, you know, the Yankees, Yankees are going to, you know, show them the money and, you know, Yankees always get who they want. Okay. I, I put this to the test because remember when Ichiro went with the Yankees? Yes. What did they end up doing? They took a 10-time gold glove mamma jamma right right fielder and what they do they put him over in left field they put him wherever now you know the guy's making a career running to his right to go catch a ball 
you know, now now he's going to run to his right and what smash into the wall or something weird, you know, force a habit. Not Ichiro, God forbid, right? But the guy's an Iron Man, and the Yankees screwed that up for him. Okay, so you think any future Japanese players, knowing how how bad they screwed over Ichiro with his Iron Man run? How old was he? Yeah, but how old was Ichiro when he signed with the Yanks? I mean, was he was he already in his forties? Probably he was probably in the sixties. Who knows? (laughs) You know, uh, so he signed he signed with the Yankees ten years ago. It's just he was thirty eight at the time. So, okay. and he ended up so, playing. He ended up playing five total seasons: three with the Yanks, and then two more or three more with the Marlins. But I don't. Do you listen? Shohei is in his prime. He's not thirty-eight. Yeah, he's twenty-seven. No, but but what I'm saying is, Ichiro had never missed a game until the Yankees just you know arbitrarily leave him off the roster. You know because what they're the Yankees and they do whatever they want. Or they want to protect Lou Gehrig's, you know, Yankee record or whatever. Do you really right? think because, it's gonna? Do you really think it's gonna change things with, with this time around? Well, honestly, no, no, no. What, what I'm saying is, you know, you got an Otani. People don't forget, right? That they how they treated Ichiro, and then you think Otani's gonna want to put himself in that situation where the Yankees promise him, oh yeah, you'll be a two way player, you can pitch, you can hit, and then. He signs with them, and then what? Yeah, they're sh- they're paying him a lot of money. What? So he doesn't get the bat. Yeah, but you remember when? Do you remember when Matsui pitch? was? Remember when Matsui was playing for the Yankees? They loved him over there, and he was like he did well, he did well with the Yanks. So yeah, you know, but they, it's, all it takes all it takes is once, and look what they did to Ichiro. They just left him arbitrarily, left him off the roster. Well, but listen, screw with this, based, screw with this consecutive game thing. So, based on your argument, he should sign with the Mariners, right? Because they took great care of Ichiro. So, if there's ever a team that should go and absolutely, and, there you go. So that's the answer. All right, he should be a Mariner. We'll see. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right, Richard. Who knows? They, they, you know, Mariners are the ones that did it. They, they treated Ichiro the best. So maybe that happens. By the way. Shohei is a free agent in 2024. He's making $30 million next year, and then he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. And I am going to be interested to see who wins the bidding wars for Shohei Otani. That is going to be a fascinating, fascinating storyline. So, all right. And by the way, I believe Shohei Otani grew up a Yankee fan. And, that, and you, and that take, and you got to take that into account, too. you got to take that into account. If he grew up a Yankee fan... Then you know what? And now he's got a choice. He can go wherever he wants. He might end up a Yankee in pinstripes for all we know. I don't know how close um, Shohei Otani is to Ichiro Suzuki. I have no idea. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I feel like, you know, the, this whole uh, the the news that happened today was real interesting in itself, right? Just the fact that Shohei Otani goes back to Japan, speaks to the media, tells how disgruntled he was yep. with this past season with the Angels and how he was disappointed with the team. Not necessarily disappointed with himself, and he shouldn't be because he had an uh, amazing, amazing season. Uh, but yeah, I'm, it's it's the Otani sweepstakes that really start now. And it, it actually kind of started when uh, the Angels were getting ready to kind of turn over in their ownership role. And I feel like the Angels, uh, or actually Shohei Otani, yeah, like you said, he has his chance to go out and field different offers, cho- choose whichever he goes to, if that's his decision, if he wants to move away from this team, yep. and uh, whoever takes him will get somebody who's a two-way star, and I hope they don't meddle with what he does on the field. I hope they continue to allow him to be a two-way player. Oh, I th- listen, 
Why wouldn't you? Well, you never know. Well, you want to know something? I mean, he's a free agent, so he has the choice to go wherever he wants to go. And if you're the Angels, you need his bat in the lineup and you need his pitching. You can't can't sacrifice either. He's too good. He can give you 30 home runs and he he blows you away on the mound. You can't get rid of that on either side. Can't do it. No, you can't. And, and, I mean, any other team who'd want that would be uh, wanting the same thing, of course. And, 100%. Uh, you know, there, I, I, I do worry about a team saying, oh, we love you as a pitcher. Let's just keep you there, even after he agreed to move over and still stay as a, as a two-way player. So that'd be my only concern. Shoei Otani finished uh, as a pitcher, tied for eighth in wins, sixth in ERA, sixth in strikeouts, 12 in whip. Okay, that is as a pitcher. Now, as far as uh, hitting goes, let's make sure we get that part done too, because I got to see exactly what is uh, what is what is batting stats where the, where they ended up. Because you know he's, I mean, you look at you look at Otani. He's uh, he's a terrific baseball player. As a hitter, Otani finished. Um, let me see if I can get. See, I don't have the rankings for hitting like I do for pitching on ESPN.com, but I know. He finished uh, with 34 home runs, which is among the best in baseball, uh, outside of Aaron Judge. So, you know, you have that kind of a career as a, as a hitter. It's hard, to, it, it's hard to take that away. It really is. So, look, 34 home runs, 95 RBIs, you know, that's a, that's a really good season. You can't, you can't just discount that. And he's a good hitter, too. So it's really interesting. Really interesting. All right. Quarter passed getting going here on Sports Talk. Hey, our pal D. Wu is standing by uh, with a traffic update. Let's go to D, and then we'll come back with more in a moment right here. 600 ESPN El Paso. Some classic rush for you. 19 passed as Sports Talk continues. 5-1 the score. Yanks are batting. Two out, bottom six. And... Matt Carpenter, who was so good, uh, struck out on a curveball. So the Yanks are uh, trying to head over to the Astros in Houston for game one tomorrow. By the way, that's going to be fun. I mean, I like the Guardians' run. Surprising. I didn't expect them to be doing this uh, and, and like pulling the Yankees to, a, uh, to the brink of elimination. But let's be honest. Yanks and Astros, that's got some sizzle to it. It really does. Because you've got two teams with history who don't like each other. And on the flip side, you got a couple of newcomers that uh, feature superstars. I mean, look, you got Manny Machado um, and, Juan, and, and uh, Juan Soto for the Padres, and you've got Bryce Harper for the Phillies. I mean, there's superstars galore on both sides. But you know what? They, they don't usually get this far. So that's also going to be a lot of fun. I, I, I like baseball with these final four teams if the Yankees hold on to win. Yeah, you got a lot of star talent across the board, and uh, you got the the market that like different markets that you haven't had in a while. Like for example, the the Padres. Now you get the Philly market back, and it's really interesting with the Phillies coming into this one because if you're in Philadelphia right now, you you got to be excited because that sports town is probably really pumped that the Eagles are doing as as well as they are. Uh, the Phillies are in uh, the champ. 
championship round, and now you've got the 76ers starting up the NBA season, and there's a lot of high expectations with that group. So a lot of positivity over there. And then if it's Yankees-Astros, that's a rivalry. That's a, that's one of those series that you have to watch every single game because it goes down. it would go down to the wire. It's the trash can banging on one yep. side. And then for the Yankees, they just want to go back to the World Series and show what they're about. So, yeah, I can't wait. A lot of hate uh, between Yankee fans and Astros uh, players over what happened five years ago. They, yeah. they, haven't, they haven't forgotten. No, no, and the, the home crowds in the Bronx will remind the Astros of that. In fact, wouldn't be surprised to see uh, some fans bring in uh, some props, some trash, uh, some trash cans and stuff like that, uh, just to, to really uh, you know add some sizzle to this game. Hey, what do you make of the Broncos' loss last night to the Chargers? Nineteen sixteen in overtime was the final score, so the Chargers improved to four and two. Broncos are two and four. Russell Wilson. Um, just 15 of 28, 188 yards and a touchdown in this one. Uh, Justin Herbert, not that much better. 37 of 57 for 238 and a pick. Uh, a lot of field goals. A lot of field goals in these games. Um, but I was really surprised of was how about the fact that Latavius Murray got 15 carries for Denver yesterday after just being picked up off the waiver wire a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, the I'm not surprised whatsoever. Broncos are bad. That's just simply put. Russell uh, Wilson, the problem with him isn't that he's not running the ball, isn't that he's not scrambling outside the pocket or he's lost something with his arm. It's that he has zero field awareness and zero vision. Like, he can't pick up bl- uh, blitzes like he used to. He can't see the field and find open targets like he used to. It's just kind of basic fundamental things that we kind of overlook at times. And then on the Chargers side of things, now you say Herbert, you know, with 238 and then he only, you know, he's he completes just 37 of 57, but he was being pressured heavily. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that offensive line, we talked about the Rams offensive line being depleted yesterday. Well, that Chargers offensive line is hurt in a significant way. I mean, they, yeah. they had to play with a, a starting center that they picked off the, the way or excuse me, a backup center. They picked off the waiver wires last week who hardly played any kind of uh, offensive or had any kind of offensive line experience prior to that. So uh, Herbert was having to run for his life all the time. He completed passes that he could. Yep. And then, um, you know, moving the ball down the field was a challenge, but they, they ended up getting the most they could from Dustin Hopkins, the kicker, who also is injured. It was just a messy, ugly game. And I hope we don't have to watch Russell Wilson in another primetime game. Austin Eckler and Sony Michelle combined for just 20 22 carries and 64 yards. Couldn't run the ball. No. no offensive line, no holes to create. Justin Herbert had probably three seconds to throw the ball on every single snap. It was messy. I mean, all across the board, it was on one end, Russell Wilson not able to do anything offensively. And on the other end, uh, Justin Herbert being pressured heavily by that Bronco defense, uh, hindering his abilities in this game. I'm with you on that one. I'm with you. Um, meanwhile, as uh, we continue here on uh, Sports Talk, this was interesting. Rob Domofsky reported uh, just about 30 minutes ago that Steven Montez worked out for the Packers today. Really cool. I mean, Steven Montez, the Colorado graduate, uh, he spent time here in El Paso, graduated from Del Valle, of course. He, uh, you know, bounced around a couple different practice squads, was elevated to the active roster with the Washington football team back in uh, two years ago. Last year, spent some time on the Lions practice squad and now has the opportunity to work out with the Packers. So I wish him nothing but the best. I hope that he get, he lands a practice squad spot at least. And uh, Steven Montez just trying to bounce around. Be cool to see two El Paso. 
Paso guys in, in Green Bay, that's for sure. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that would be a lot of fun to think about that. Did Montez play at all in high school when uh, Jones was playing? Yeah. or So they did they did overlap by a couple, maybe a year Ma- or two? Maybe a year. I believe uh, Steven was a sophomore, and uh, I think he was already playing, but he was a sophomore when Aaron was a senior, if I'm not mistaken. Now, if that's not the case, then Steven was probably a freshman when Aaron okay. was a senior. That's, I mean, I think they're close because isn't uh, Aaron Jones right now 27? Yeah, that's right. And so Montes is my age, so he's 25. And so there you yeah. go. So, so they do probably overlap by at least a year. That that's would, right, yeah. Maybe sophomore and senior. I could see that. That's interesting. Okay, 25 now past the hour as Sports Talk continues, 505-6009. Gets you right on in and through to the program. 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter, on Facebook, and online at 600ESPNElPaso.com. Meanwhile, seventh inning right now, so the Yankees are three outs away. I'm sorry, nine outs away, three innings away from punching their ticket to Houston, and former Chihuahua Austin Hedges uh, has just been pinch hit. So it'll be Andres Jimenez uh, pinch hitting for Hedges in the seventh, um, and uh, we'll see if the Yankees can you know, continue to get closer and closer to winning this ALDS series. Yeah, with uh, with the Yankees right now, it's just about hanging on. I mean, building on this early momentum you got from the three-run shot from Giancarlo Stanton. And uh, for this Yankees team, let's see what the bullpen can do to close this one out. I mean, they've uh, started off so uh, nicely and dominant in this game. How can they wrap this one up here and head over to the championship round? Absolutely. That's going to be the big question. Um, it really is. So we'll keep an eye on that one. Can't wait for tonight's Game 1 of uh, Philadelphia and San Diego. That's going to be awesome, Uh, just looking at the lineups and what we have so far for this game because, again, Zach Wheeler against Hugh Darvish. Doesn't get much better than that. In San Petco, how great for Padres fans knowing that uh, they get Wheeler and Darvish in Game 1 I think that's going to be a blast. Yeah, I mean, Darvish has been dealing lately, Steve. He is just, he killed it in the last series against the Dodgers. So I'm, I am so fascinated to watch this one to see how he carries it over against the Phillies. This matchup is going to be awesome. I just love it all across the board. Both teams hungry to try to get to the World Series. And uh, Zach Wheeler, I mean, I just talked about you, Darvish, but Zach Wheeler, what a year he had with a, a 2.82 uh, ERA. Then we get Nola and Snell tomorrow in game two man that one's so exciting too um you know with uh with the Padres this year uh we've just seen what they've done with guys like Manny Machado guys like Hassan Kim um and of course the Phillies bring a lot of talent as well with Schwarber and Bryce Harper so just great matchups all across the board in this series absolutely absolutely so uh, one out now as uh, Jimenez just struck out on a 2-2 fastball 100 miles an hour you know that's another thing with baseball these days um Let's be honest. If you are a reliever, chances are you can dial it up to 98 to 100 every single time out. And think about this. Most starting pitchers are all throwing now between 92 and 96. And then you got bullpen relievers coming in, throwing 100 plus. If you want to know how the game of baseball has changed, that's how it's changed. You know, it used to be where relievers. You know, they didn't throw uh, in the mid to upper 90s or touch 100 miles an hour on regular on a regular basis the way they do now. It just seems like guys come in throwing harder than 
ever before. And in the late innings, when you're getting you know these guys coming in and, and firing it like they like they do, it is so hard to hit a baseball. Yeah, it is. And I feel like this is the most exciting part when you get a chance to watch bullpens really show what they could do. I love this part of, of baseball and that we're seeing right now uh, in the modern game. Now, I guess the one drawback is when you see a pitcher checking in, like a lefty going up against a lefty, righty versus righty, whatever it may be, like a matchup-based pitching change. Sometimes that irks fans at times, and I get it. But at the same time, when you see guys dealing uh, and throwing 100 mile an hour uh, when they're coming in in the fifth or sixth inning just to help give your team a spark that's what it's that's what's so exciting about some of these relievers i hate it and the reason i hate it is everybody does it you got guys now that are throwing 103 i'm like yeah. how are you supposed to hit that and that's the hardest part and if you're wondering why baseball like will go to their bullpen in the fourth or fifth inning in big games like this that's why because you know you've got four or five you can dial up that all hit triple digits it's it is so difficult to bat against that and, you know, you still have the occasional soft thrower that is anywhere between 89 and 91. But you want to know something? Those pitchers are, are very hard to come by these days. Even guys that never threw hard before suddenly are finding that they could throw in the mid-90s. It's, it's crazy to see how much velocity has spiked in professional baseball. Yeah, and that's a big thing that is emphasized when they're kind of building out these rosters, when they're building out their bullpen, and, and when they're finalizing their rosters, you know, even for postseason baseball. Like, they, they are looking for guys who are touching 100, who are who are pitching upward 90s, because everybody else is doing that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it, it's uh, leading to games that are, are I, I guess um, – uh, giving up way fewer hits and runs as before at times, but at the same at the same time, if you're a big fan of pitching and uh, you know different bullpens that could be thrown out there, then you're going to love this. I understand. Bottom of the hour as we keep things moving here on Sports Talk five zero five six zero zero nine. That is our telephone number as we continue. Uh, Adrian loves hard throwing relievers. I feel like it's making the game uh, tougher and tougher to hit, which I guess is good if you're if you like low scoring games, but I mean, it's just so hard to hit guys that throw so hard. You tell me, are you like Adrian? Do you, do you like it seeing relievers coming in that can easily throw 98 to 100 uh, with regularity? Or um, is it is that why we have so many strikeouts these days in baseball? Because guys throw so hard uh, compared to the way it used to be. Uh, we'd love to get your take on that as we get ready for uh, not just the end of this game, but game one of the NLCS coming up at 6 o'clock tonight uh, as we continue. But let's go to Adrian and get this Sports Center update. And 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter as we continue uh, with more of the show. And right now, uh, Stephen Kwan has a uh, an opportunity, runner on second, two outs, one-on-one count, trying to at least make things interesting. And Kwan grounds it right to Rizzo, who tosses it. Uh, to Lois Sega, and that's it. Just like that. Done. So the Yanks retire the Guardians and are six outs away from playing the Astros with a very, very comfortable 5-1 lead going into the bottom of the seventh at Yankee Stadium. You know, this is uh, going to be one that Guardians fans are going to be very disappointed at for a while. And I think it stems from yesterday's postponement. A lot of Guardians fans, I mean, on social media yesterday were ruthless. They did not, uh, they are not forgiving Major League Baseball for postponing it. And you know what I have to say to them is, 
hey, they, they tried, they waited around, they could have made a decision earlier yesterday. Yep. However, the biggest issue with this is it is what it is. It, they couldn't play without stoppage yesterday knowing what kind of uh, weather storms were happening out in New York. No, that's true. Uh, and, and they wanted, I really do believe they wanted to get it in. But there should have come a time when they realized there was no chance. You, you can't start a baseball game near 10 o'clock local time and expect guys to be able to play until one in the morning. Uh, you just and then by the time they shower and change, and then you'd have to uh, you know possibly go on a flight to Houston. That, that's a that is a very very difficult situation. So um, they should have had some foresight to have come up with a better plan than just waiting four hours before they decided to pull the plug on a game. Yeah, and another thing is with all this, uh, either of these teams who are going to win, Yankees it's looking like, uh, but they're going to have to try and ride it around tomorrow and face the Astros on a quick uh, no rest. You know, they're just going to yep. have to get this this game in tomorrow. Listen, this was uh, John Sterling calling the uh, Giancarlo Stanton home run earlier in the game. And the 2-0. Swung on and hit in the air to right center and deep. That ball is gone! Oh, my! It is a Stantonian home run. A three-run blast into the right center field seats. Giancarlo. Non si può Now the Yankees, in this ultimate game, take a very quick 3-0 lead. There you go. That's um, the way um, John Sterling called it. And by the way, uses, how about this? a stick mic with earbuds at the game. That is his way of calling it. Some people use the sportscaster headsets, not John Sterling, a stick mic and earbuds. That's so cool. I love that. We need more of uh, stick mics and earbuds out there. Very simplistic out, you know, um, approach to the broadcast. Yep, and it works. Worked for him, that's for sure. So, again, 5-1 Yanks coming up uh, a little bit later. We'll have uh, game one of the NLCS. We will not be airing the NLCS. We will instead have UTEP football with Dana Dimmel coming up at 6 with John Teicher from Moon Tower, which will be the home uh, today uh, as the Miners get ready for their 2 o'clock Saturday afternoon uh, kickoff against Florida Atlantic. Um you know, day games in, in October, you don't see those very often. Usually it's November day games, but Adrian, the Miner is going to get an opportunity to play a Saturday afternoon at the Sun Bowl. And right now, looking like we are talking about 79 degrees and sunny. For, uh, for the game uh, coming up on Saturday. Oh, that is absolutely perfect right there. That's great football weather. It's uh, I, I, I hope that we will see a good crowd out there, but I, I don't know what kind of crowd we're going to see, Steve. It's tough for people who work on Saturdays, who uh, work during the day, and, and maybe they can get the evenings off. But uh, afternoon uh, football games, it's just tough. I, I get it. I understand. I do, too. I'm just hoping we have a decent crowd because uh, the Miners are going to need this one. This is a big one for them. They can get back to 500 at 4-4 and four with uh, 4 to play. So, you know, at this point, every game is important for UTEP. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, Dana Dimmel talked about this yesterday in the press conference, but he, he was uh, laying out the rest of the schedule on, on for the Miners. It's a road game against Rice. It's a home game against FIU, uh, which is Florida International in November. And then the final game, closing it out against UTSA. That makes this one so uh, important for them. They have Middle Tennessee next week for homecoming, but they don't want to make it to where they have to win three of their 
their last four games to no. try to get bowl eligibility. They need to get as many wins as they can now to try to get there. 100% right. 100% right. Aaron Judge just singled to uh, center to start off the seventh. So the Yankees get their lead base runner on, down uh, up 5-1 to one over the Guardians, trying to close out Cleveland here this afternoon. We will keep you updated on that. We'll uh, visit with John Teicher uh, about an hour from now during our final countdown. If you want to weigh in, though, with everything going on sports-wise, we'd love to hear from you. Today would be the day, folks. 505-6009. We are very limited over the rest of this week because we will be scheduling uh, and programming this radio station around the ALCS and the NLCS, not to mention football Friday night. So uh, because of baseball, there will not be uh, nearly as much sports talk this week like you're used to. So if you've been waiting to get in uh, either yesterday or today and would like to do so, hey, we've got lines available. Would love to hear from you. Twitter. Wide open. Would love to get your tweets coming in. 600 ESPN El Paso as Sports Talk continues. Oh, some queen. Add up, baby. Playing some some tunes today. So we continue here on Sports Talk. Is, uh, is Jason Craig still in the studio? You know mm-hmm. what? He just hopped out to our sister station, 93.1. Uh, uh, nice. He's working over there right now. UTEP Zay's in the house. What's up, Zay? Hey, Zay, uh, you got a good article, by the way. Uh, I like this. You put it up 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 on the website at 600ESPNElPaso.com. Your five takeaways following UTEP's open practice at Eastwood. Love that picture of you, by the way. That's phenomenal. Uh, give me your number one takeaway, Zay. What would you say it is? Um, this team feeds – I mean, uh, this team, um, it has that street fight mentality. It fits that. The joke holding is always – talking about you know that they want to make it a street fight this and that this team fits it perfectly to the key street fight that's what they so you're saying it is uh i mean i don't want to say it's a workmanlike team but in a sense it kind of feels that way doesn't it yeah it's like a yeah they're a gritty team they're gonna do anything they need to to win you know they're gonna leave it all out on the floor i understand and i'm with you on that one i feel like that's the case too i really do um by the way as far as grittiness, uh, hardworking, you know, work. Do, do some of the guys really shine through in that workout? And you came away pretty impressed. Um, yes, a little bit more on uh, like Otis Fraser guys that you know you maybe they're D one transfers, but you didn't see a lot of them at their last school. He's one of them that's like maybe he was misused at George Mason. Maybe he was. Maybe UTEP has a different role for him where he could really shine. Hmm. Interesting. I like that. Um. I wonder if that's going to be the case with a lot of these guys that uh, Joe Golding brings in, Adrian, and he'll just get more out of them than uh, maybe the previous uh, team did. You know what? I hope that with just three returning guys, and, and those guys, it's it's Kevin Kalu, it's Zarek Onyema, and of course it's Jamari Sibley. I hope it's just a clean slate starting up into the season. It's like, you know, forget what's happened in the past. It's uh, whether you're Shamar Givens, who's played four years at one college, or if you're uh, somebody like J- you know Jamal Sumlin, who's playing at your first first ever college and, and going to college for uh, for your first time ever. I just hope that the the laying the playing field is kind of leveled and everybody can kind of compete for that spot because you're right. Like what you brought up right there, if anybody wants to try to uh, claim their own starting spot or, or you know play for minutes, Joe Golding has shown us in years past or in just the year past that he he'll play anybody as long as they're good and as long as they're they're worthy of giving minutes to. I feel the same way. I really do. I, I feel like there is no doubt that, you know, if you earn if you earn Joe Golding's trust, 
he's going to reward you. I feel like that is exactly the case. Um, we feel like there's at least a solid 10 in this rotation, don't we? Yeah, and I, I really liked uh, one of the points that uh, Zay brought up in his article talking about the four spot because, yeah, there's 10 guys top to bottom who could really play for significant minutes, uh, and the four spot's really interesting because you have Jonathan Dos Anjos mm-hmm. and you have Calvin Solomon at that spot competing for it, and on one end, uh, like Zay wrote, you get offensive production from Jonathan, and on the other side, you get a lot of defense from Calvin. Yeah, you do. I mean, and that's, but the hardest part is if some guys give you offense and other guys give you defense, but they play similar spots, it's tough to figure out where you're going to put them, isn't it? Yeah, and that's why I think that um, with Joe Golding, he's always kind of left the door open for versatility with his positions. Like, I could see both those guys playing on the floor together and sharing the floor. Uh, and I could also see them throwing in Jamari Sibley into yep. the, with those two guys and not necessarily playing a true five like Zarek Onyema or Kevin Kalu, like going a little smaller in certain lineups. I could see that too. I could see that. Um, other takeaways, Zay, what are some of the other things you noticed? Um, well, defense, you know, it's something that they're focusing on. You didn't see a lot of drills that focus more like shooting or offensively. So I'm a little scared maybe in the beginning that the offense could be a little stagnant at times, you know, like it was last year. Can they shoot the basketball? That is my number one concern with this basketball team. Are they going to be able to shoot? Yeah, I have no idea about that. You didn't see a lot of shooting in this one. Um, during the scrimmage, the little... Uh, half-court scrimmage that they did, it was it was an ugly defensive um, struggle for, for both teams, the blue and the white. So we still don't know mo- much about the shooting. That's interesting. That really is. Um, not, I guess, what I was expecting. I was kind of wondering how that was going to go. But, um, Adrian, I think that is my number one, my number one question mark right now with this basketball team is going to be shooting. Yeah, because you looked at last year and I thought they lacked a, a little bit of, uh, I guess, like efficiency from beyond the arc, but they, they just lacked a true perimeter score. And I think it's easier for me back here at the Lubingo Studios to tell everybody, hey, you need more three point shooting. And it's actually uh, harder to actually execute and find that player out there. Like, everybody in the country wants to recruit a three-point specialist. Everybody across the country wants to recruit more size on their perimeter as well. So it's about UTEP kind of seeing potential with some of their players and trying to be a better three-point shooting team. Last year, they struggled in three-point efficiency. Yep. But they used guys like Jamal Bienemy and Sule Boom to really uh, carry the load for them at beyond the arc. And those were your three-point shooters, their best players last year. Last year. 100%. 100%. So, all right, Zay, sounds interesting. So, there are definitely some uh, some questions that uh, you were able to get answered. And uh, as you said, you feel pretty good about this situation right now. I feel pretty good about this team. Uh, hard to believe that we are three weeks away from the season opener. Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, even if, you know, there's a small chance that they, I mean, there's a big chance they probably won't beat Texas. It's still exciting to see a team that Joe Golding has put together from basically scratch, and I'm excited to see him perform. I am too. I think we've all talked about that. Uh, I think fans are excited. I think fans are curious, but they've, they saw so much last season that they bought in, and they want to see what Joe can do this time around. You know, I'm just going to get the narrative out there because it's going to come early on into the season, knowing the strength of schedule UTEP has early on against Texas and then the likes of New Mexico State. So let's just get everything out of the way. There's going to be the narrative, oh, Joe Golding can't win with his own team. Give him time. Give him the, at least until Conference USA or at least till February and March to gel with this group yeah. because it's it's a nucleus of uh, all new players going with each other. It is.
is. But you're right. You know that's going to happen. You know minor talk is more than likely going to come up with that particular topic uh, pretty early this season. First you know one. It. First one out there. Absolutely. All right. Hey, when we come back, Dallas Cowboys update with Christy Scales. We're coming back with plenty more. Check out Zay's article. It's up right now. 600 ESPN El Paso. Back here on Sports Talk, along with Adrian Broaddus and UTEP Zay. I'm Steve Kaplowitz. Nice day today. Kind of cool. No rain. Speaking of cool, Yankee fans are feeling pretty good. Bottom eight, 5-1, one, one out. Three outs away from meeting the Astros tomorrow in the ALCS. I don't think the Yankees are going to be complaining if they get into Houston by 2 a.m. this morning. Do you? No, not at all. Not what whatsoever, Steve. And, hey, they might just say, forget that first game. We'll lock in on the last six, knowing that they're going to have a quick turnaround. I don't know, man. You know the Yankees. I don't really see them forgetting anything, especially if uh, they're able to go with, you know, I don't see who's going to pitch tomorrow. That's another question. Um, it's not going to be Garrett Cole. So maybe the Yankees go with... Uh, I'm trying to think. It's a good question. It's not going to be a Nasty Nestor. He pitched today. So maybe they do go with Jamison Tyon for game one. I mean, that's possible. That could be the case. Um, I could see that. It's difficult, you know. They they really went with kind of a a bullpen esque game. Uh, I don't know. No, you know, maybe they go with Sevy tomorrow. Maybe they, That's go, maybe true. they throw Sevy out there. It's either going to be Sevy or Tayon, but I don't think the Yankees are too concerned about Game One. Yeah, and I think you'd be on what four or five days rest at that point, so that would make a lot. Of sense. And then you're going up against Verlander. So yeah, I, I mean, I say, hey, you you just ride off Game One. That's not true. You No one's writing off game one or any of these games. No, you know what? He would have to go on three days rest. It's not going to be Seve. It's going to yeah. have to be Tayon. That's They, they got to go with Tayon tomorrow. I think that makes the most sense. Yeah, that's right. And he was supposed to pitch yesterday, you know, in, in, this, yep. in this game against the Guardians. So. That's the one that, I mean, look, everybody else has been pitched. You know, you pitched Nestor. You got Cole. You got Seve. Um, I mean, they've they've got to throw they've got to throw a different arm out there. So I could I could see that being the case for uh, for tomorrow. Yeah, me too. And also with that, um, you know, you do take uh, it's not necessarily like uh, a caliber that's going to match Verlander, but who who's on your uh, rotation that's going to match that kind of caliber? No, and like you said, if the Yankees have to just uh, eat one game just to get themselves settled, I think that'll be the case. I really do. Because, you know what, you look at their rotation with Frankie Montas out with the uh, with the injury. They lost one of their main arms. So, yeah, I, I don't think he gets activated. That probably would make the most sense to, um, you know, to, unless i got to see what. So his injury, uh, Montas was a sh- right shoulder inflammation. There is no way he's coming back from a shoulder injury in a month. So I think yeah I think you go with Tayon in game one I think you're fine with that then you roll Sevy in game two and then you got Cole in game three so he could pitch game three and potentially game seven for you yeah that's very true and actually that might be better to to be uh, more top heavy on the back end of this series of course because this one's going the distance knowing how competitive both the Astros and Yankees are when these two teams lock up uh, in my opinion I think it goes to seven games. 
I could see it. I could see it. Um, all right. Anyway, as we continue here on Sports Talk, uh, we've got uh, lines open for you right now, 505-6009. John Teicher's an hour away from Moon Tower, right up the street. Between here and UTEP is Moon Tower, 3233 North Mesa. You can go down there, check out uh, UTEP football with Dana Dimmel. And uh, let's see if the Miners, uh, now that they're back home on Saturday after a week's rest, uh, can get things done. Hopefully Cal Wallerstead is 100% healthy. Hopefully they're all healthy right now and ready to go. Yeah, for my indication, everybody is. And and same with Cal. I mean, everybody is was back at practice last week, and from all the things I heard, uh, this team is good to go. And, and that's that's good for this group. I mean, uh, they were hit early on into the season with injuries. When they started winning, they started uh, adjusting to the new players kind of in the mix. And now it's, uh, it's do or die time for UTEP. They've got to continue to get as many wins as they can in order to try to get bowl eligibility oh they do they absolutely do so i'm with you on that one um meanwhile there is a letter that is circulating around the nfl world that dan snyder sent all the nfl owners today apparently so uh ian rapaport just tweeted out a bunch of guys are tweeting out this letter uh that was sent and here it is so apparently it's a form letter you want me to you want me to read this Oh, by the way, I love that it's a template form, uh, you know, format. It is a template format. So that way everybody gets the same letter, right? Um, I would like to address a recent ESPN article that contains false and malicious statements about the Washington Commanders, our management team, and me and my family. It is particularly shameful for ESPN to diminish the very real accomplishments of our president, Jason Wright, who ESPN alleges was placed at the Commanders by the league and has no power to make real change. I know you know this to be false. Unfortunately, ESPN ignored our efforts to correct the many falsehoods in their article before its publication. There is one allegation in the ESPN article that I feel it's important to address immediately. The article cited unnamed sources who said they've been told that Snyder instructed his law firms to hire private investigators to look into other owners and Commissioner Goodell. That is patently false and intended to erode the trust and goodwill between owners that I take quite seriously. I've never hired any private investigator to look into any owner or the commissioner. I've never instructed or authorized my lawyers to hire any private investigator on my behalf for any such purpose, and I never would. While we are fierce competitors on the field, we are a part of this organization because we love football, our teams, and our fans. Having the privilege to own a franchise in America's sport is something I know none of us take for granted. Falsehoods and lies being spread about any of our organizations hurts our league, our players, and our fans, and we simply cannot let them go unchallenged. Thank you for taking the time to read this. If you have any questions, Tanya and I are always available to answer them, and we look forward to discussing these issues with you at the appropriate time. Sincerely, Dan Snyder. There's the letter. That's about as ridiculous as you can uh, imagine, Steve. That, by the way, that article is incredible. Um, a long read for anybody who wants to to check that one out and dive into it. But it takes so many different accounts. It takes uh, anonymous interviews. It takes people who are on the record. They do a great job of of getting uh, gathering a large amount of sources and uh, backing it up throughout the story. The article is really critical of owner Dan Snyder, but rightfully so due to all the uh, workplace mis conduct that that article that he's referencing alleges how many days old is that article i think it's i think it just dropped uh monday and if it wasn't monday then it dropped uh over the weekend at, at some point okay okay that's that's what i thought but i just want to make sure if that's uh, if that's the case so but it's a pretty big one i know that 
And by the way, um, Jim Irsay was quoted of uh, saying that, um, you know, he wants Snyder removed as owner. Said there's merit to removing Snyder as owner. Yeah, very interesting and and honestly, um, very revealing that uh, Ursay is the first owner, I guess, I, uh, that we know of to speak against him publicly, uh, and that's a that's a serious thing for him to say. I'm talking about Jim Ursay to say that there is a number of owners uh, that could end up voting to remove him, and he thinks that they sh- could get the 24 of 32 owners wow. to vote in favor of removing Dan Snyder. That's a big deal. By the way, the article came out five days ago. From And there were three, count them, three writers that all um, contributed to this story, Adrian. So it wasn't just one. There were three of them. And, yeah, that's a long read. You're right, but it's a good one. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, uh, Seth Wickerstam is somebody who he's, he's diving into all these kinds of things. I felt like it was just a couple days ago just how this this is still uh, – how we're seeing news from this still spill out from it. I mean, now you're hearing Dan Snyder uh, with a letter now five days after this has been posted. So yep. you're getting the trickle effects from this. And it's also from the the winter uh, – excuse me, the fall meetings between all the owners and uh, Commissioner Ro- Roger Goodell. You know that they've been working on this for a while, and if they approached him about this and he said no to cooperating, I mean, chances are they decided to just go with it. Run. Well, they, they quote Dan Snyder yeah. throughout the article. Like, he has some really interesting uh, quotes throughout it. And, well, uh, the, they, they, they can't F with me is one of the big ones that comes out right in the early, uh, early part of the article, basically saying that he's above the commissioner and above everybody else in the league. And also speaking on record about other owners like Jerry Jones, who uh, today, by the way, didn't say anything against uh, Dan Snyder. Jerry Jones kept it very political when it taught when it came to the other owner that has been uh, public against him. I found that I found that interesting, by the way. Well, I actually don't because, uh, you know, well, I I do find it interesting, but I don't believe Jerry Jones in his backing of Dan Snyder, because why, why would he go out and back him? Oh, because he might have skeletons in the closet himself. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. I could see that. I could definitely see that. So, well, we've seen enough things over the years to kind of get an idea of what uh, of what Jerry could be. Uh, you know, all those guys. I mean, there is nobody that is uh, in a spot where you could say that they're. I mean, we're talking about billionaires. You know how hard it is to. You can't even fathom what it's like to be. You know, in in that in, in that state where you you have more money than you know what to do with, you own a professional sports team. Um, your life is just different than everybody else's. Right, and and the other big thing about this is it's not the NFL who's investigating the workplace misconduct. It's not the owners who are out there investigating this on behalf of the Washington Commanders. It is a uh, former district attorney uh, who is probing the matter on behalf of the NFL and Mary Jo White. So this is the investigations that are continuing. And once the full investigations uh, come out and once we're really able to see a What's the penalty off of this? Uh, we're going to uh, kind of understand whether or not Dan Snyder is going to be allowed to be an NFL uh, in the uh, you know owner of the NFL, or if he's going to be removed. If he's removed, well, he'll probably end up suing the league. That could be interesting. That's right. He will sue the league, and he'll probably win. I mean, it's just the NFL is such a weird carousel of of owners who are trying to uh, really inst- instill their power across the league, and then owners who don't want to relinquish that power because they know how how much money is at stake with all these teams. Good point. 
Uh, 14 past the hour right now. Our phone number is 505-6009 as we continue. Yanks trying to shut the door. Peralta's in in the ninth. 3-1 with one out on uh, the rookie Arias, and he grounds weakly to uh, second, but um, not going to make the throw in time. So you got a runner on right now with one out in the ninth, 5-1 the score. Yankees looking to advance to take on the Houston Astros. And don't forget, tonight we've got to, oh, it's going to be so much fun. Phillies Padres, can't wait. Can't wait. Darvish and Wheeler, that is a dream matchup. The first couple of days, I mean, both teams have stacked pitching. Both teams have stacked offense. And let's be honest, do we really care? I mean, we care because it were the Chihuahuas. So El Paso cares. They'd like to see the, the Padres over the Phillies. But either way, no matter who goes, these are teams that are not, you know, the Phillies haven't been back to the World Series in a while. Padres, uh, you know, it's forever practically. Yeah, that's very true. What, 84 for the Padres? Yeah, it's it's been for forever. And uh, for, uh, you know, a team, I think the only team that everybody, or a lot of people who are baseball purists who are rooting against will be the Astros. But that's about it. Everybody else, it's like, hey, we, we don't really necessarily care whether or not the Phillies or the Padres win. That's true. That is true. So, yep, I'm with you there. I mean, that's just really interesting. Um, All I can tell you is that if the pods do it, and the irony is it happens after Fernando Tatis Jr. uh, was suspended 80 games. And remember, this team for a while looked like they were going to fall right out of the wild card spot. I mean, they they couldn't win. Hayter couldn't find the plate. Soto couldn't hit a fastball. And then all of a sudden, they just got hot at the perfect time. That's all that matters, right? I mean, you just get hot when it comes to the later part of the season, and it's the team who's the hottest in October who ends up winning the World Series. I mean, that it's just the bottom line. There's no you don't carry in your record into uh, into these series in the postseason. Uh, you just go out there and you you bring out all the players that were there with you throughout the season. So I th- I think the Padres. I was ready to bury them back in uh, early August, sure. just based off you know that all the anticipation, all the hype around the trade. Deadline, and then kind of uh, like losing a lot of momentum uh, right after that Tatis news about the PED suspension. So the way that they've been able to rally around uh, all their group is uh, pretty remarkable just knowing where they were at the midway point of the season. Could not agree with you more. All right, 16 past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. Have a line ringing in. We'll get to the phones in a moment, but first let's go to D. Wu standing by with this traffic update as Sports Talk continues. 21 past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. Our number is 505-6009. Get you right on in and through to the program. By the way, taking a look at um, our NFL picks, well, Rob had a beauty. Uh, 4-10 and 10 for Rob this week, picking games. Lane goes 8-6. and six. Not great, but he's four games better than Rob. So congratulations for the second straight week, Lane outpicks our listeners and thus the uh, axe throwing from relax still up for grabs we'll do it again tomorrow 
at 6 instead of Thursday because of baseball. So uh, Adrian going to give uh, uh, another uh, lucky individual a chance to try to outpick our, our 14-year-old phenom, Lane Frank, in NFL games. You know, he's killing it right now. Not killing it in the in our Chick-fil-A Sun Bowl pick'em challenge, unfortunately no. for him. Uh, he killed it a couple weeks ago where he was, I think he was like tied for first, but uh, this week he struggled. But hey, it's all about the NFL picks on this show. That's the only thing we ask from Lane Frank, Schoolyard Sports. And uh, hey, he called his shot that he was going to win. Let's see if he can win another one this week. Uh, the celebrity guest picker or whoever ends up picking him among our callers and listeners, they're going to have a, a tough one this week. By the way, uh, the celebrity uh, challenger has already confirmed his appearance tomorrow on the show. Sweet. Oh, that's right. We're moving it. We're moving it to Wednesday now uh, because we got a little schedule change. That's right. That is right. So, anyway, looking forward to that. That'll be good. And, by the way, we have also lined up another listener for next week's appearance for Lane, and that will be our first female listener to go toe-to-toe with Lane. I'm excited about that, too. Hey, it's not, it's you know what? Anybody could go up against Lane and pick against games, so I, I encourage anybody when we have these listener contests and stuff like that to, right. uh, to go up against him. And it's official. The Yankees have polished off the Guardians 5-1. They now advance to the ALCS against the Houston Astros. So for Terry Francona and company, their season comes to an end at Yankee Stadium uh, late uh, this afternoon. That's right, and for the Guardians fans, you know, they're going to be complaining. They're going to be upset that the game wasn't played yesterday. They're going to have to uh, go throughout this offseason to try to regroup and and bounce back. But for the Yankees, they advance. It's now Yankees-Astros, which is what a lot of people wanted. Absolutely. Let's go back to the phones right now and say hello to Adrian joining us from Central. 24 past the hour as Sports Talk continues. Adrian, what's going on? How are you? I'm not doing too hot, Steve. What can I say, man? Shoot, I mean... You know, you know me. I, I bleed Dodger blue. So you do. This is like this is like uh, worst case scenario ever that uh, you could imagine for a Dodger fan, man. I mean, who the heck is left to root for? I I don't have a team. Well, and, and the question is going to be: Do you root for the Phils? Do you root for the Pods? Do you root for the Yanks? Do you root for the Astros? I mean, these are your four teams that are left. So, as a Dodger fan, who do you, do you root for? The team that just knocked you out of the playoffs. Well, no, especially not as a division rival. The only connection I would possibly have is the fact that, you know, we got their AAA team here, and, and, and that's about the only thing I can think of. Astros, no Dodger fan in their right mind would ever root for them. And, you know, the Yankees and Dodgers, that's a long, long history, man. So I don't think, you know, you, you find many Dodger fans rooting for them. Well, that leaves, one, hey, that leaves the you know? Phillies processed by elimination. So maybe the Phillies become your team. I mean, I, I, I kind of, I guess, I guess, you know, I, I, I don't really even really know who the heck I would root for there. I mean, uh, but, you know, it's just frustrating. And I was telling Adrian, I said, look, I want to talk a little baseball. It's, it's exciting always, you know, postseason baseball. But I will tell you, I'll, I'll tell you this, Steve, I, I've never been one to say, hey, it's the manager's fault. But in this case, Dave Roberts has got to go, man. He has got to go. You, you know, I mean, if you're going to be just a puppet and, and just do whatever your front office is telling you, you have no business sitting in the dugout. I mean, I, and I'll give you some, some reasoning behind that. You yes. know, he had Clayton Kershaw had a bad inning. You know, he had a bad start, but had retired six batters in a row before he's taken out after five innings with 80-some-odd pitches. Then you get to game four. 
And, you know, well, game three, you start Gonsolin, which I don't understand that decision, you know, after one inning. But then you get to game four, and Anderson had retired nine out of ten batters before he's removed in the fifth after five innings. I mean, what what baseball sense is there in that? And I don't, I, I could give a, you know, you know what about analytics? When you got a pitcher in the postseason, in the postseason you cannot manage like you do the regular season. You got to leave those horses in there, man. You got to leave them in there and not exhaust your bullpen, and then put guys in there from the bullpen that the, the Padres had already seen multiple yep. times. Well, to get rocked. you realize that Dave Roberts has never been the manager that come playoff time we think uh, will outsmart the opposition. There's always been criticisms of Roberts, even when he's been able to get wins and w- that World Series for the Dodgers a few years back. Yeah, man, and it's frustrating. And I've never been one, you know, I, I've never been, I, I, I won't say I've been in his corner, yeah. but I've never been one to, to say, hey, he's the one that was at fault. There's got to go until now. You know, and and I and I, and I just you. you know it's frustrating because you cannot have a 111 win team put up a performance like that in in the division series. You know, I mean, not even the NLCS, and 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 they were their their only uh, uh, goal that would have been a, a success would have been winning the World Series, That's not even true. losing it. That's you know? true. And, and I'll tell you this: I got one more thing for you before I go, Steve. I got a replacement for him, and it makes perfect sense for the Dodgers and their front office. Let me hear. Bring Joe Madden. Bring no, Joe Madden. No, you don't. You don't want that. You do not want and that. I'll tell you a different one Oof. that Dodger fans will love. Another former Angels manager. Bring Mike Sosha. You know, that one I could see a little bit. That I could see. Madden did a terrible job with the Angels. I mean an awful job. And I think he had no clue towards the end. Do you really want that managing the Dodgers? Well, you know, I mean, I mean, he, he couldn't do any worse than, than uh, what Roberts just did. I'll tell you that much. Ugh. I mean, how much to do with a team that's got 111 games? I mean, just let them play baseball. You yeah. Know, let them play baseball. I mean, let listen. Them, let them, uh, you know, don't don't get those analytics out of the way. You know, and I I, I will say this: uh, the Yankees guys, their horses, they just did what the Dodgers couldn't do. They're top of the order, top three. Mookie Betts was a no show for the playoffs. Yep. When my brother in law said, "You know what? Maybe he ought to concentrate more on baseball than bowling. <laughs> He's got a higher bowling average than baseball." And and that's and that's and and I know Mookie Betts is a superstar, but I mean, come on. You you got to show up. You got to you got to do something in the in the postseason if you're yeah. if you're uh, and 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 Turner and and Freeman did hate a couple jacks, but you know when it came down to it and it's the end of the last inning, they went down swinging, all three of them. You Listen, know? um, we'll say this about Dave Roberts, okay? This was the like the fourth most wins in the history of baseball. I know he didn't get it done. But are you really ready to just say goodbye after such a successful regular season? I am. I am because you know they uh, they, they they didn't put it together until they were forty. They were forty three and twenty eight at one point, and then they went on that tear. Uh-huh. You know, and 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 uh, but you know you just you just can't have that, man. You, you that was a World Series, a team that that should have been. Worst case scenario in the World Series, losing the World Series, not not losing yeah, to you. a uh, to a Padres you. team that they were that they beat by twenty games in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I you know. know, I mean, I know. how do you justify uh, uh, dominating a team 
14 out of 19 games in the regular season, beating them by 20 games in the in the division, and then not being able to take a five game series, not even letting, not even going to five, they lost three one. You know, yeah. Yeah. I, I just and you know it, it's it gets down to the, the bottom line is your pitchers they 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 caught on to their great bullpen because they were in there for so many innings. You know, Listen, it, uh, enjoy. I thought it was a great season, uh, and it's unfortunate it came to an end. But who knows? Maybe you'll find a way. Maybe you will find a way to uh, to you know uh, not make the same mistakes twice next year. Got to remember one thing, okay? Number one, um, you you didn't have Bueller. You lost him, um, and that was a big blow to the rotation. And you you lost Kershaw at times this year too. I mean, you know, you you didn't have a full healthy rotation for the playoffs, and yet it's a best of five, not a best of seven. Tough series, tough tough series. You had to rely on yeah. Anderson in in what was it? And uh, and I mean, he pitched great during the year, but I mean, you you need Bueller for that. You need your horses. Well, I mean, the guy pitched great on in his play, his five innings too. Yeah, I know it. <laughs> it's true. I mean, he didn't give up any runs. I got. I got to run. I speaking of runs, we got to run. Appreciate it though. Thanks for the phone call, Adrian. I got two calls to get to right after Sports Center. Bottom of the hour here on Sports Talk. Much. Uh, look at this. Phones are back. Following that call, let's keep moving on. Let's go to Brian from downtown. He joins us next here on Sports Talk. Brian, are you ready to fire uh, Dave Roberts? Uh, no. <laughs> you know what? Baseball is a funny duck. You know that? It is. It really, it is really a, is. You, on one hand, you say, you say, okay, the guy has gone 0 for 5 over the last two games, and you think, okay, is he going to go 0 for 6, or is he due? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and you know what? And I'm saying the Padres were due. Yep, yep. You know? they Listen, Soto, the guys they brought in, Machado, Soto, the guys they brought over midseason – they didn't perform up to their billing and up to their paycheck, I'll tell you. But in the uh, when it come, came around down to it during the Dodgers series, they did. I know. They were due. No, that's <laughs> true. Know, I mean, it's a good point. I mean, I, good point. Well, I mean, I, I, I think that uh, if I ever – I've criticized Roberts over the, the seasons that he's been the manager because I think he overdoes the analytics. And, you know, that's going to change my rule next year. The shift is over. Yeah, that is that is true. That is true. That's one. Yeah, one. These tendency things. Uh, you know, they're going to take one of these quote unquote tendencies off the list because the, with the shift over, and I mean, thing. I, I I I'm not too crazy about the fact that now everybody's got the DH. You know, I I, I love the fact that the National League was different than the American League for all those years. But I and I so I don't like the homage homogenization of baseball, as it were. I, I wish there was a little bit different between the National League and the American League. But that being said, uh, there, you know, it, it is the, more of an even playing field. But, I mean, if you're going to have an even playing field, then I think that all of, all of the, 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 the outfield fences should be universal and uniform from, from park to park. Yep, yep. Well, like, yeah, but you can't do that because you know, you know that all these ballparks are built differently with different nuances. So no, no, I like no, no, I like that idea. I do. Mm-hmm. And you, you, and you bring in players. Uh, you, you know, and the, the Yankees they'll bring bring in the left-handed hitters so they can go over that short park. You know, the short 
uh, right field fence. I get that, and I think that's great for baseball. I like the fact that there's a, there are differences, but yeah. you know these. But the analytics and that you know, uh, yeah, bases on ball. You get the guy at first base just like a single. I, I get that, but look at but look what's happening. Uh, there's more stealing that's going to come into play. There are more. There's more bunting that's going to happen. Bunting uh, really played a uh, an integral part part in in the in a few of these games. You know, and and the Dodgers don't fund hardly at all. That's true. So I'm just saying, that is true. You know, what I'm saying that 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 if you're going to go with analytics, go with analytics. But I mean, if you're just going to pick and choose what analytics you're going to play with, I think you're going to lose the play, in the playoffs. Guess what? They lost to the playoffs. Yeah, they did. They sure did. But, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm just telling you, I know Adrian thinks Joe Madden's the answer. And I'm thinking, no, 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 you don't, you don't need to do that. That's, that's, that's jumping the No, game. no, no. The answer, if there's going to ever be a change, the answer was the, you, was the old Dodger, Dusty Baker. <laughs> he made the difference. Yeah, and look what happened to Dusty. Dusty's uh, yeah. right now enjoying, uh, enjoying himself in Houston the last three seasons. I know, but that's the thing is, is they come and they go, you know, Dusty Baker. How many teams has Dusty Baker been with? Mm-hmm. That's true. That is yeah. true. I mean, so, I mean, you, 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 your, your luck runs out, your string runs out, your players don't respond, uh, the, the, you know, the, the bench, uh, you know, over, and then the, they throw, they throw a, a manager out on his ear, and then he becomes the, the number one super successful guy in another, in another ballpark with another team. That's a good point. That's what's so great about baseball. You just never – every single pitch is, uh, is different. Every single play is different. Every ball that's thrown can make a difference in a game. And it's, it's three-dimensional chess. That's why I love it so much. Man, good stuff. Very nicely done, Brian. Appreciate the phone call. Thanks for getting in. 38 past the hour as Sports Talk continues. Uh, checking the app right now. at 600 uh, ESPN El Paso. It's our free mobile app powered by – um, uh, First American Bank. Uh, let's take a look and see what we've got right here. Uh, first off, this is from Pinky. Final out, some Yankees rocking the baby. There you go. Um, Pinky was watching the game and, you know, uh, enjoying the comments. In fact, he even said the same thing about UTEP Zay. Said UTEP Zay said the same things us fans at Eastwood High School said. Who is going to be the go-to player for UTEP? That's a good question from Pinky. Zay, who will be the go-to for UTEP? Shamar Givens. I don't think there's no doubt about that. Uh At least from what we've seen so far, he's going to be the leader. He's going to be the go-to scorer. And he's he's going to play a huge role for this team. Adrian, he was so confident when he wow. said Shamar Givens. That is so interesting to me, don't you think? He's uh, he's impressive when you watch this team practice. I think he's kind of that floor general. If you're mm-hmm. looking at the leader, it's Shamar Givens. All right, so Givens uh, will be the uh, will be the answer to Pinky's question. Who is the go-to guy? The answer is Shamar Givens. So says UTEP Zay. And uh, as we all know, uh, the one thing I love about Zay is when Zay speaks, people listen. There you go. Simple as that. Nicely done, Zay. Awesome. Hey, before we go to break and come back with Taish in our final countdown. 